folks, before we get to the episode, just wanted to let you know that Kayla had some mic issues this week, so the audio might sound a little bit different on her end, but I think it came out pretty clear and understandable throughout. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Hello, and welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your hosts, Justin and Kayla. And we are back for a movie review, and obviously it's that time of year, Kayla. It's Christmas movie time. It's the holiday season. We're here to bring the cheer, and maybe not the cheer, depending on how we like the movies we gave each other. But of course, that is to come. Now, i got to ask you, because this came to me when I was starting to watch the movie that you assigned me. And it was legitimately the first Christmas movie I've seen yet. And we're halfway through December. And I was like, huh, that's kind of telling. Do you, have you seen a Christmas movie yet this month? So, no. Uh, my first two movies that I watched were the two that we're going to be reviewing today. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, I'm just Go not ahead. super into Christmas movies generally. Like Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Not even Christmas Day, because I'm usually watching basketball, but a couple days leading up to Christmas, I'm down for it, maybe a day after, but I'm not a full month of December, every day, different movie situation. I like to watch them when I'm rapping. Like, that's when I like to have Christmas movies on, like if I'm doing something Christmassy. Oh, I thought you meant, like, actually laying down a beat and rapping, you know, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that, too, but I've already done that this month, so... Okay, that's, gotcha. That's an everyday thing. Laid out a sweet yep. beat, got a new demo out. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I do. I, I was just now going to think of a DJ name for myself, but uh, let's not go down that route, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> let's get right to our movies, because I certainly have a lot to discuss with mine. So, spoiler alert for the movies that we're about to talk about, which, and of course, we're going to tell you where you can listen to it. So, you assigned me Four Christmases, which is available on HBO Max. I'm sure it's available to download elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I assigned you Christmas with the Cranks, which is available on Freebie, which is the free app Amazon has. But I don't, did it have ads in it? Yeah, it had quite a few ads in it, but at least mm-hmm. I didn't have to pay for it. You didn't have to pay for it, which <laughs> which Justin just puts in the win column every month when I get on the film. So that's awesome. Uh, why did you assign me four Christmases? So I was looking at a list of Christmas movies, and as everybody knows, we try to assign movies that the other has not seen yet. Mm -hmm. You've seen quite a few Christmas movies, so I was restricted on the numbers that I've seen you haven't. And for Mm -hmm. Christmases, I like the concept of it. Like, you have to hit all your parents basically on Christmas Day, and it it turns into a stressful situation. And it had a lot of big-name actors and actresses in it. So I'm like, how bad could this be? I haven't seen it in years. Let's give it a shot. And just as a general precursor to everything, Christmas movies generally suck, right? They're just generally not good. That's just part of the whole theme is everything's very cliched and over the top and corny, but. They're not good. And also, I find that they're reviewed horribly. So it's I think it's one of the few genres that you can say. Uh, oh, let me check the reviews and see if people liked it. And people will just crap on Christmas movies. I've realized all of them fail um, as far as if you're looking at Rotten Tomatoes or some other judging yep. thing. So I just feel like either you like them, Christmas movies as a genre, or the shenanigans that happen on Christmas, um, or not, and you hate it and you review it. So I completely agree with that. 
and I didn't even watch those ones that I've seen on what HBO and Amazon Prime with Ryan Reynolds and what Spirited or something. Free movies that are new, and I still just had no real interest to turn them on. No, but I'm not going to lie. When Violet Night comes out on, like, some streaming service, I'm probably going to watch it because I find David Harbour hilarious. And <laughs> the enough. concept of violence on Christmas, don't hate it. I like a good Christmas horror movie, which I was tempted to give to you just for my sheer amusement. But I held off. You know, there's future Christmases, so let's ease ourselves into it. So do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Well, you didn't tell me why you assigned me Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, touche. I was too I was too ready. <laughs> um, I gave you Christmas with the Cranks for a similar problem that you just suggested, that it's difficult to find movies that the other hasn't seen that are, like, big ones you've seen. I remember watching this film and finding it funny. And for me, it's, like, one of the classics, not in, like, how do I say this? A classic like you, you saw as a kid. I guess not you. But most people saw it. So, like, if I'm looking at childhood Christmas movies, like, Christmas with the Cranks comes up to my mind. Whether that's in my top five, I guess we'll see. But um, I feel like that's, like, one that kind of came up early 2000s. And so, you know, that's in my head. So I thought maybe there's at least a scene or two that you'd enjoy, which is all we can hope for in a Christmas movie these days, you know? Hopefully you like a scene. That's fair enough. You know, there there may be a couple funny scenes in there, so I'll give you that. Oh, okay. Okay, a couple. Well, hey, you know, shoot for the stars, guys. Okay. Yeah, now. one including the closing credits, but it's fine. Okay, well, listen, I, I'll take my W's where I can. You or me, what do you think? I'll go first with Christmas with the Cranks. Okay. All right, so let's do this. Christmas with the Cranks, Justin. All right, so Christmas with the Cranks, a 2004 film, one hour, 39 minutes long. It had a budget of $60 million, which after watching it, looking at that, I was like, how did this have a budget of $60 million? It grossed worldwide close to $100 million, which is not great for a $60 million budget, but not too shabby. Obviously, uh, Christmas movies have come a little bit of ways from making $100 million on a subpar movie to now just being free on Amazon and HBO Max, but I digress. The director was Joe Roth, and the writers were John Grisham and Chris Columbus. Yeah, good old Christopher Columbus, Sailing the Ocean Blue, right? It's based on the John Grisham book, Skipping Christmas, and fun fact, it could not be named Skipping Christmas, or they didn't want to name it Skipping Christmas because they didn't want to have any confusion with another movie that came out that year called surviving christmas with ben affleck so that is why they named it christmas with the cranks but they did kind of give an ode to skipping christmas when uh there's a scene in there where they show a newspaper clipping of them and it's titled skipping christmas with the two main characters shown on there so at least they got that in there a little bit uh, another quick fun fact here, there were a few different Easter eggs about Ghostbusters because Dan Aykroyd was in the film as kind of this big, influential community person, I don't know, and uh, nothing I really caught until I read up on some things after, but I thought that's at least a little fun thing to throw in there if you're a big fan of Ghostbusters, you might find it. So the Rotten Tomatoes score was, are you ready for this, Kayla? Are you ready? I we gotta really build up the suspense here. Let's uh oh yes, just mentally prepare yourself. I'm ready. Five. 
Yes, five percent was the Rotten Tomato score on this one. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for giving me. First of all, that's rude. I think that's rude. Five percent. Okay, haters. Haters yeah. gonna hate. Five percent. The cast uh, had a couple big names in it. I already mentioned Dan Aykroyd played uh, Vic Fromeyer, who is kind of the person who runs stuff in the town over there. Tim Allen, going back to Christmas movies after the Santa Claus, played Luther. And Jamie Lee Curtis played Nora. So a couple big names here. And this was kind of a weird time in both of their careers where for Tim Allen, the string of movies after this was The Shaggy Dog, Cars, and Zoom. Before like five, six years later, he got into The Santa Claus 3 and Wild Hogs. And Jamie Lee Curtis, this is right after Halloween Resurrection and Freaky Friday. But then she pretty much went on a hiatus of movies for like six, seven years and just came back recently in the last five, six years. So kind of a weird time where they seem to just check out after this movie is how I took that. You also had a couple really lesser known actors. M. Emmett Walsh played a neighbor and then uh, Cheech Marine played an officer in the movie, which was just an absolutely ridiculous character. So... Kayla, do you want to count me down so I can give my little uh, quick synopsis here? Oh, of course. It would give me great pleasure to see how you fare. Lately, you've been a little over, but I have a good feeling about this time. All right. I'm going to count you down. Three, two, one, go. Weekend after Thanksgiving, family at airport saying goodbye to daughter Blair. She is joining the Peace Corps. Parents Luther and Nora Crank are devastated. Luther runs the numbers and realizes they spent over $6,000 on Christmas last year and comes up with a plan to skip Christmas and go on a luxurious Caribbean cruise. Nora is having it at first, but then she warms up to the idea. They refuse to do any of their normal Christmas things, donations, decoration, gifts, etc. Of course, they live in some crazy community where everybody is obsessed with Christmas and the Cranks throw a big party every year. Tons of backlash from the neighbors find out they're skipping Christmas. Shenanigans ensue. Oh no, Blair calls them on Christmas Eve to quote-unquote surprise them by coming home for their Christmas Eve party with her boyfriend slash fiance. Nora is an absurdly crazy mother and they go into panic mode trying to throw together a party with four hours notice. Luther falls off the roost, almost dies. Neighbors see Vic Fromeyer apparently run shit and rallies the community to help them throw this party for Blair. He is making calls, bribing cops, pretty insane. Blair shows up with her boyfriend and everything is great. Luther is still not letting go of the possibility of going on a cruise Christmas Day. Nora lectures him on his selfishness so he goes across the street and gives his cruise to an elderly couple that is going through a rough time. Happiness and joy ensued the end. Ooh, there we go. Wow, 58 seconds on the clock. Right under that minute mark, people. Nice. Well timed, good yes. sir. You know. Wow, what happened in that film? Yeah, yet? Not really. <laughs> not really. Oh, okay. Um, All right. This, uh, this film, I have to say, I was siding with Luther, the dad most of the time by Tim Allen. Go on that cruise. Very selfish of his daughter to call him on Christmas Eve and be like, oh, I'm coming home. Make sure you're throwing a party and cooking all these great things for me. Get out here. Go enjoy yourselves. Enjoy you and your wife's time, getting away, spending all this money. I just, I think my nightmare is to live in that community where you get shamed for not like going above and beyond on Christmas. So immediately when I thought of this, um, I said, would you, if you were the kid calling home and, and, you know, everyone in the household was going to go on a cruise or whatever you call, would the lights have been strong with that ferocity? Would, would the turkey have been fought over? I mean, no, no. Are you, why not just talk to your 20, what was she? 25 or 
24 or whatever she is in the movie, like a normal human being, like, hey, we weren't going to throw the party this year. If you come, that'd be great. You can stay at the house. We'll see you tonight, but we're going on a cruise tomorrow. It is insane. Anytime Blair, the daughter, called, the mother, Jamie Lee Curtis, freaked the fuck out. She runs and is screaming, Blair, oh my gosh, he's calling home. Like, oh my God, you, she's lived with you for how many years? She went away right after Thanksgiving. She's been gone for three to four weeks. It's not like she's been gone for years here, people. Let's relax. And they don't do a great job of really building up anything about the Blair character, besides a few comments from the neighbors like, Blair was great. She watched our kids and always helped around during the holidays. Cool. All right. Why do I care about her then? And then she brings a boyfriend home, completely useless character. Could have went the entire movie without having him. I don't understand the purpose he served at all. Besides her wanting to introduce him to her parents. Okay. So. Um, ouch. Ouch. Um, I too. My, I feel like if I called home and said surprise and come home from the Peace Corps, um, my parents would have been like, well, make sure you turn off the lights if you're staying at the house and uh, we'll send you a postcard. Um, maybe it's an only child thing. We can't relate, but that is true. But you know, maybe that's what happens. I felt bad for good well, old Luther, man. He planned this vacation for five, six weeks. He spent $3,000 on the tickets. He got his wife really into it. And then she just dropped him like nothing. As soon as Blair called, I, you know, I just felt bad for him. I was rooting for him the whole time when everybody was bah humbugging him he was just trying to enjoy time with his beautiful wife and didn't want to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to do things that he was not going to be around to see during the holidays. Just saying. Okay. I mean, fair points, fair points is, is absolutely crazy. Um, also the concept of like the neighbors just like ready to pick it and like almost tear down your house for Christmas is also something that's wild yeah one of my i guess favorite scenes if you could say that there weren't very many to choose from here was when basically the neighbors pressured these christmas caroler carolers to just start loudly and aggressively caroling outside their house for what seemed like hours and then the group kept getting bigger with the carolers and all the neighbors and they're basically just standing outside their front door screaming christmas songs for hours like who's taking the time to do that but I did love that touch where they're sitting inside trying to read. And then they're like, oh, shit, let's uh, go to the basement. They won't know we're here. We won't hear anything. And then like the the big frosty they didn't put on the roof that everybody's been pressuring them to put up on the roof is staring at them, just giving them eyes like, ah, you guys are assholes. So I thought that scene was pretty funny. Okay. Okay. Any others stand out to you? Not really. No. Uh <laughs> Pretty much that, you know, you get the heartwarming thing at the end where he's got the neighbor that he just can't stand. They're at each other's uh, or at odds with each other for most of the film. Good old Walt and Bev and Bev. You don't I don't think we got real information on what she was going through, but clearly she's having some health troubles. And you finally have Luther go over there and is like, hey, go on this cruise. They try to come up with excuses and he's like, all right. No, don't pay me anything. Go on it. You guys deserve it. And that was a pretty sweet, touching moment. So I'm glad it ended on on that. And then you have Luther looking across and seeing everybody in the house just enjoying Christmas and happiness. And everybody just dropped all of their plans. They didn't have anything happening on Christmas Eve. 
really, to go to this party and they're forced to bring all of their food and all of their decoration. Okay, this was supposed to be a nice rant and it turned into an angry one, so I apologize. Wow, Mr. Grinch, because speaking <laughs> of the Grinch, don't you remember when all the Who's in Whoville came together and said, Yahoo, Forrest, Yahoo. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, okay? All right, so you're not allowed to come to Whoville because that's the mentality, okay? It's everyone together, and that's what Christmas with the Cranks did, okay? Everyone came together to help them. My mom actually decorated her house for my niece's one-year birthday party the other day, and it was Whoville-themed, and it was very cute. I should have came as the Grinch. You know, you should have mentioned this before, and then I could have been a real part of the shindig. I'm surprised you don't have a Grinch costume somewhere they could just pull out. But, however, the Grinch could be scary at a certain age, so I don't know. Maybe that is smart. true. I do have it be, the... Um, it could be like a monster. <laughs> you're not wrong. I do have the Kobe Bryant Grinch-themed sneakers, special edition, that I've worn a couple times. They're just, like, bright green with red laces. They're pretty sick. Not very comfortable at all, but very, very cool. Maybe well, I'm biased. We're going to a... We're going to a Christmas party this weekend, so I really expect you to wear those. Just you saying. know what? I didn't even think about it until now because some of these uh, shoes that are a little bit more expensive, I try to hold on to just in case the value goes up. But those I've worn a few times, so why not? Maybe I'll wear my little Grinch sneakers to the to the party. I think you should. I need to see them in person, you know? Silence. I can take a photo of them and uh, put them up. <laughs> um okay christmas for the cranks all right um what about the i always liked the fight in the grocery store like i just love a running montage where two people are locking eyes and they're just zooming at each other like i don't know it's amusing to me yeah it's, it's not bad when it, it's like they're walking and realize that the other's going for the last honey baked ham or whatever it was which just looks disgusting to me in that tin but and then they start doing the fast walking because neither want to admit that they need to run after this thing. And it's always a good time when somebody gets thrown into a big pile of something in the grocery store like Jamie Lee Curtis did. So I do love physical comedy when it's done right. And I'll definitely go into that in my film review. And uh, yeah, they had some elements of it. Do you think it's aged well? Like, do you think at the time, could you see... What, 2004, 14-year-old and or 15-year-old Justin, depending on the month that it came out in, looking at this film and going, I enjoy it. Can you go back to childhood? If I was back in childhood, I probably, yeah, I could see myself enjoying it more. It was more of that stupid comedy, which I'm not as big of a fan of now. But, you know, when you're 14, 15, I'm I'm sure I'm probably laughing your heart wasn't as hardened. (laughs) Very true. I was not as much of a Grinch. (laughs) Okay, okay. Any other uh, thoughts on Christmas with the Cranks? Uh, only other thought is I love the Umbrella Santa character. The uh, the guy that nobody knows who he is. And he's just around the party. He was super excited. He was invited. And they're just like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Nobody knows. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody he introduces himself. And everybody's like, oh, that's Marty, obviously. Everybody knows Marty. Like, come on. <laughs> so I thought that was Everyone a- does know Marty, you know? Everybody does. I know a couple Marty, so there you go. We do, we do, and they're known, they're known. All right, that's good. I uh, Christmas with the Cranks, like I said, I didn't actually revisit it, so it's kind of like as you're talking about it, I'm remembering different parts that I liked. You know, sometimes I'm hesitant to go back on old movies that as a kid I enjoyed because, like, even looking at, like, old cartoons I loved, watching as an adult, it's been, like, ruined. Like, I'll just, 
I'll say SpongeBob stands the test of time. I'm sorry, any age, it's hilarious. But some of these, like, Hey Arnold's, I'm like, why did I think this was art? This was cinema? I would run home, like, I'm watching Hey Arnold, and, like, this is the plot line I need to, what is going to happen to Arnold and Helga's relationship? Is this going somewhere? You know? Is this bad that I'm rooting for it? You know? There were stakes to that cartoon. But as an adult, I'm like, what? (laughs) What? I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to see things soon, you know, after uh, my beautiful wife uh, gives birth to our healthy baby in six, seven months. I'm going to see a lot of these uh, kids shows from a different perspective. So I'm sure, uh, you know, I assume we're still going to be doing this podcast and you're going to hear me just going on rants about bubble guppies and uh, bluey or whatever these kids shows are that either don't compare to the nostalgia of our childhood or far surpass it. But I just think they're not going to compare. They're, they're not quite uh, on the high level class of Rugrats or Rocket Power. Like, none of those. Saved by the Bell even. I know that's not a cartoon, but I used to watch that before school every morning. Classic. You know, maybe Chira might need some time to work up to Saved by the Bell, but uh, we can certainly, certainly start them off. And just pretend that Rugrats, is you know like a new show current True. you know babies don't know babies babies don't know anything okay <laughs> so they don't know you, shit. you heard it here folks babies don't know nothing babies are stupid um, so dumb <laughs> <laughs> and you know have the baby on the pod you know nothing works better language skills and seeing how they we'll have to see if they take after uh shit or they take after you so oh you want to describe the differences between both <laughs> Sure. Um, the differences is what you're doing right now is chit. I picked yes, up on that. Yes, yep. All right, yes, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Love you, dear. Say no more. Say no more. Um, okay, so I'm ready to get into my film for Christmases. So let's go. So, film came out 2008. Uh, you definitely could tell. It was directed by Seth Gordon, who also did Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, Baywatch. Um, it was written by Matt Allen, Caleb Wilson, John Lucas, Scott Morris, a lot of writers. Uh, notable stars, you have Vince Vaughn, you have Reese Witherspoon, you have Robert Duvall, you have John Favre. Is that how you say it? Um, Are you Tim kidding McGraw. me, Kayla? John Favreau? You don't know how to say John Sorry. Favreau's name? He, like, I guess I never say it in my life, so my bad. He like created the Mandalorian, like. Oh, I know who he is. It's yeah, just, okay. I guess I don't say his full name. It is much. funny to see him in these types of roles when you know what mm-hmm. he does now, like 12, 13 years later. It's it's pretty funny. Yes, absolutely. Tim McGraw, you know, coming in. Kristen Chenoweth, who I love. Um, box office gross and budget had a budget of eighty million and made one hundred and sixty three point seven million. We're talking numbers here. Big budgets for these Christmas movies back in the day, huh? No, not no more. Nope. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 25%. Did not win any awards, but The Hollywood Reporter called it one of the most joyless Christmas movies ever with an unearned feel-good ending that adds insult to injury. Variety called it oddly misanthropic, occasionally amusing, but thoroughly cheerless holiday attraction. That is in no way a family film. <laughs> give you a little taste of, of So, uh, so 
what you're saying is my Grinchness has uh, gone into my taste in movies as well. <laughs> Even though I will point out the Rotten Tomato score was five times more than the movie you gave me. So, which is so sad because it's not saying much at all. Um, despite this being kind of rom com ish, um, apparently Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn did not get along on set. That was like a huge rumor to the point where they were supposed to have this steamy sex scene, and they she refused to do it, and so that got cut from the movie. So, the little drama, you know, I love a little film drama, so I uh, wish I knew that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the scenes were improvised. Reese Witherspoon was hit in the face with a ceramic plate and had to get five stitches. So, you know, physical comedy, sometimes with injuries, okay? Um, also, because of that rumor that they didn't get along, Vince Vaughn didn't promote the movie, which I think is a little telling. Like, without saying to the public they didn't get along, not showing up to promotion is an example. A la Don't Worry Darling, just saying. So they were Grinches on the film as well. Just a theme here. Yeah, the chemistry, I guess, in real life was not there. Um, Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie in A Christmas Story, played the ticket counter at the airport. I did not notice that until later. Um, but I've seen his face more recently because they did A Christmas Story 2. And so his face is a little more familiar in his older age. So that's I did not I notice did. that either. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all four members portraying the parents are Oscar winners. We have Robert Duvall, Susie Spesek, John Voight, and Mary Steenbergen are all Oscar-winning actors. Nice. Okay. Whew. Let me just have a drink for my ornament. Great okay. ornament drink there, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. Always in theme. <laughs> okay. I think I got this. Three. Just count me down. Two. One. Brad and Kate have a dysfunctional divorce. Family's been together six years. Don't want kids or marriage. They avoid their families at Christmas. They're traveling abroad. pretending to be doing charity. One year, they plan on going to Fiji, but the flights are canceled. They're caught on the news. They have to visit their families. Visit Brad's father. an asshole. His brothers don't want to fight him. They ruin his TV and house and then go to Kate's mother, which leads to her taking a break. Touch for curiosity, overcoming her fear of inflatable castles, fighting her niece and her friends. Yikes. Then they go to Brad's mom, who is named Brad's childhood best friend is obsessed with a weird creature. Kate realizes he's finished. She wants to be married and have kids. But Brad is spooked. So Kate goes to her father's alone. Brad goes back to his dad. He quickly realizes he's just like his dad, which is depressing as fuck. So he needs to go back to Kate and agree to figure it out. A year later, they have a kid. Don't tell their family. They're getting caught in the news. Wow. 36 seconds, Kayla. You, uh, mm-hmm. I think you missed out all the really cool, fun stuff that happened in the movie. Very like heartwarming film. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to argue against that. Um, okay, my first few thoughts of Four Christmases, which is a film that was always on the horizon. You know, like I'd always known it was a popular one or people would talk about it, but just somehow it never caught it. Um, if you ignore the bonkers narrative and the actions of these two main leads and just take it for the comedic scenes that occur on the screen, the movie was a delight. The movie was a delight. There you go, Kayla. The director said the film is about the difficulty of all people who have, you know, issues reconciling who they are and who they're supposed to be and why it's hard to spend Christmas with their families. I have some questions, okay? I have some questions. They've been dating for six years, and at sometimes it seems like they've met each other's parents, like each other's parents. Other times it feels like they're just like, you know, all the women are, like, looking at her, looking at Brad like he's new. And so I, I'm confused on their dynamic there. So 
you know, I with think the it's more of they have uh, potentially talked to their parents like on the phone and stuff or have like introduced them that way. But it doesn't seem like there's been real much face to face contact with any of these families <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, I hear you. Little, little, little shaky there. Um, he never once told her his real name was Orlando. It never, never once came up. No weird document. That it was six years. If chick came to you and you saw something, and it was like Barbara, would divorce. you be? Would you be shocked? I'm just kidding. Was that divorceable? <laughs> yeah, I'd be shocked. I don't know how it doesn't come up in six years, especially. Like, early on, like, that's a great little fun fact, like, on first few dates or something. Like, well, actually, my name is Orlando. And all of the siblings were named after the places they were conceived, which is just ridiculous. I also, like, <laughs> I not as dysfunctional, but I related to the scene where Brad is on the roof. His brothers are just, like, instigating stuff. His dad's yelling in the house. I don't even want because he's installing the satellite TV. He doesn't want it, so he's bitching and moaning in the house. And Brad's just like, I need to think. I love it. You know, like, I really, I definitely have had those feelings, whether it's at Christmas time or what, with family, when you're just like, I just, you need to just let me do this. Like, please stop talking. Let me, just let me try this thing. So I found that very relatable. Um, not quite to the point where, like, I mean, all the lights get strung up, some physical comedy there. Uh, there was just, like, little, like, physical comedy things that, like, really made me laugh. Like, for some reason, throwing kids around is hilarious when... Oh, that was great. When the little kids are bullying her in the inflatable castle, and she's just... I mean, she's suplexing these kids out of the way, and her niece, her niece, who she's trying to get to is terrified. She's like, ah, gets to the side of the inflatable castle. I mean, she was being a tool, but hilarious. Um, her smacking the baby's head, Brad's niece, like, head on the cupboard board was just... Shouldn't be so funny, um, but is. Well, that's part of the the thing I like about it is the kind of funny but realism aspects of that. Like she, oh, she actually does hit the baby's head after everybody's like, oh, you can't really hurt him. It's fine. And then when she has the pregnancy test, she's not actually pregnant. I thought that would have been way too cheesy and over the top based on how the, the film went before then, but. Yeah, can't you see another version of this movie where she realizes she's pregnant and then she has to then kind of reconcile that and like maybe change his perspective like in each of the parents thing where she makes a comment trying to tell him and then at the end yeah. she's like you know i'm pregnant and then he leaves because he's so like that's not what we're gonna do i did i just rewrite the movie i mean i could see that yeah, i could see that where she's like putting hints like you know kids are pretty cute and he's just oblivious yeah. over there like ah oh, kids suck they're a menace i would never and she's like but right, right. About, you know, like yeah. kids are great on vacation. You know, like we could put them in cute outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found, even though it was only used twice, I found the using like them hiding something from their families. So in the beginning, she's hiding. They're hiding that they're going on vacation to Fiji, and they're they told their parents that they are you know doing charity work every yeah. Christmas somehow, which is also crazy thing that they seem to have been doing for six years. And at no point the families were like, hmm, Christmas just passed. You have a whole year to plan charity work. Maybe, maybe we could just have Christmas this year. Again, wild. Um, but I did find the gag funny that, like, the news always happens to find them. And then Brad's just like, uh, we, the door 
with the thing, you know? It's kind of like Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands, you know? He freezes funny. up even though when he was at the church, he, like, wanted to be the star on stage. So it is funny when the you kind know, of Vince Vaughn remi- Like, take this as you will, and if you ask me to explain it, I can't. <laughs> but the physicality of Vince Vaughn reminds me of you. Like, okay. his physicality. I know that seems like weird phrasing, but, like, I don't know if it's a height thing. Like, Vince Vaughn's tall and, like, compared to Reese Witherspoon and, like, he, he you know, like, the dynamic between the two physically. Mm-hmm. But, like, the energy that he has, like, whether he's on stage, like, it just rem- it did remind him, like, he reminded me of you a little bit in the physicality part. Like, what do I do in my body? Like, how he moves reminded I'll take that as a compliment, Kayla. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say personality because I don't know that'd be a compliment in the film in particular. Um, also, him gagging every time there's vomit also always funny to me. Yeah, he's just like, get it out of here. It's I'm gonna do it too. I'm gonna do it too. No. I also know people like that, so that's also pretty funny to me and realistic. The the general story, I guess, where again I had to let go of a narrative structure that made sense to me to enjoy it, and I did. But when you think about the story dynamic of two people who have been together for six years, arguably have had the conversation about not wanting kids, not wanting to get married, up you're you're presuming up to the point of when they spend Christmas with their families, that's what they believe. Granted, I find that every scene, Reese Witherspoon's character Kate gets handed a baby, which is also pretty funny, like every time they give her an opportunity to have a kid. Um, That the family just kind of like shakes something in her that like, like as if she hadn't seen any other babies up to this time, that like her niece knows her. Her niece isn't like, who are you, Aunt Kate? You know, like they see each other. So it just is so funny to me that on Christmas, Six years into this mentality, you're kind of like in a day, like, hmm, never mind. I want it wild. And especially, what is that trying to say? You know, like. Especially after she was terrorized in the jump jump, as they called it. So it, it was just kind of like, okay, she sees the babies and they're cute. And she has that moment where the kid stops crying and she's like, oh my gosh, I. Like, I did this. I can be a mother. Like, I just made this baby stop crying and that immediately bashes his head against the cabinet. But maybe that moment of realization, like, maybe this isn't as hard or as, as um, like, draining as I thought it was, which obviously is not the case. It 100% is harder and more draining than you think it is. So maybe don't have a baby if you're not fully invested. Yes, but I mean, essentially, that is the moral, but is it of this film? I can't tell you. I just, I'm just like, what is this movie trying to say that, like, that she sees the other relationships in her life, not all of them good, and she's just like, yeah, this is what I want for myself. What is that saying in general? I mean, again, don't ask those questions because there are no answers, but that that's what I was wondering watching this. Like, is that happiness for them? That's where, you know, like, well, it's it iffy, seemed, a little shaky. It is shaky because they seem very happy at the beginning without doing all this stuff, so why does this need to change them into being a better version of happy? Because even when they're doing the dancing class and they're like, oh, when's your wedding? They're like, oh, there's no wedding. We just like to do fun things. And this sounded interesting. Like, that's admirable. You're like, okay, you guys stick to your guns. You do you as long as you're both happy with it and you're enjoying life. Why do you need to get married or have a kid? You know, everybody has their own personal preferences. 
But one of the the reasons I kind of like the film and why I gave it to you is is that concept of going to all the family members' house on Christmas is draining. I can understand wanting to get away from that. I don't think I've ever hit four, but I've definitely hit at least three, maybe four before, and it it's a lot. And usually it's if you have a kid, it's worse because everybody wants to see the baby. So it's like, okay, I'm going to my mom's. We're going to your mom's. We're going to my dad's. We're going to your dad's. We're going to Is my this what you're pre-planning in your head doing the amount of Christmases you're going to have to go to? Well, we're pre-planning how long before we change the venue to our house and ask <laughs> yeah. all of our families to convene here to yeah, avoid yeah. that. So mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's the thing that's starting to brew in my head right now after watching this movie. Oh, for sure, for sure. I just I definitely think it's not not giving the message that like happiness or like a real relationship is eventually getting married and having kids. Um, I think they could have equally just gone to Fiji maybe in the summer instead, and then had Christmases with their families and been okay. Uh, maybe not with all their family members because they're a lot of they're pretty crazy. Um, how would you describe Vince Vaughn's comedy? I'm intrigued because I was watching this film and I've watched a few Vince Vaughn films. I wouldn't say like I've seen every single one, but he has a very interesting way of acting. Like he's very like, how do I say this? He, he describes what he's thinking like so if he's having concern about like the he has to talk a lot like what he talks a lot what he's describing a lot like the actions that he's doing something well we could go do this if you want to but then we could go and also go to this left house just like it's a fast-paced kind of comedy do you do you like his comedy i generally do i like like his mannerisms and the flow of how he speaks like uh it's more of yeah kind of how you're talking it's the pace and how he he really tries to explain things like in a funny way. Like even when they're sitting in the car before they go into the first house, he's like, Hey, what's our, uh, our safe word. Is it mistletoe? And he's just like, you can say that and we can get out of here. It's fine. I'm down. I'm not going to hold it against you. So like, what's the word. And then at the end, he's like, just, you know, what's the word again. She's like mistletoe. He's like, all right, let's leave. Let's get out of here. It's that cadence of speech that I find pretty funny in him. And most of his movies, he has started to do more of a serious acting role, I think, more lately. And it's tough to make that transition based on what he's so familiar, like everybody's so familiar with him from. But I-, I am a fan of his comedy. I know it's not for everybody. I know you're kind of a Grinch when it comes to comedies anyway. So I don't know if you have the best ideas of That what- is so funny because I consider myself a comedy connoisseur. It's just we have different... I, I maybe higher brow taste in comedy. Um, okay. The most egregious thing about the ending of this film for me, which is they have this come to Jesus moment at the end of the film where particularly Kate, she decides, you know, family should be like, I should be with my family. She has that conversation with her father about like missing time that she wishes she could get back. And, like, she realizes, like, I should be spending more time, make one, making a family, and two, like, being around my family. Then at the end, you find out that she had a whole baby, which means she had a whole pregnancy. And her family, the families do not know to then kind of be surprised when they have the baby 
and the news comes in because uh, it's a New Year's baby. So that means they baby wasn't started from the get-go after Christmas. This is time. And then they're like, oh, no, my family's going to find out we had a baby. So did, did she learn anything? Because I say no. Because I would no. have to presume that she never saw her family again. <laughs> so after Christmas, I mean, that means she also didn't see them at Christmas time if it was a New Year's baby. Just saying. So literally yep. that next Christmas, she did not spend with any of the family members. Just saying. Yeah, and what is the excuse that following year? Because she can't say she's doing the charity work because of last year. She can't have any type of photos sent or Christmas cards because she's going to be nine months pregnant at that point. So how do you hide that? She hasn't. That's such a great point, Kayla. She clearly has not seen any of her family for a minimum of six months before that baby is born. Yes, yes, which includes Christmas. And it's just, it was a hard thing to accept at the end, even though I did like the gag about the news coming in and interrupting them. So that was good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's, I think that's kind of it. That was my thing before Christmas does. I can't take it narratively, but the physical comedy aspects are fun. Some not so much. Um, some things definitely didn't hold up to the test of time. Um, but enjoyable it was an enjoyable watch for me look at that me giving you great movies to watch 25 um, on rotten tomatoes great strong great strong um <laughs> let's get to our oh well first i want to ask is this movie rewatchable would you rewatch the movie i gave you again is that it forever uh for the movie you gave me i will not rewatch it again now okay for christmases i can see myself rewatching like uh in the background as i'm doing stuff in in the living room, but not as much Christmas with the cranks. I feel like it's a film I would need time away, like a couple years, and then you're like, oh, for Christmas is on? Okay. You know, like back to back years, and I think it's a repeater, but I would watch it again. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So, All what right. do you have for your uh, VHS ratings, Kayla? I'm going to give it a three, three out of six VHS tapes. Okay. I'm going to give Christmas with the cranks a two. Okay. So, that's just. Again, as we started this pod, Christmas movies are generally not very good, like critically, but entertaining enough to watch, I guess. There's just not many Christmas movies that I've watched and I just turned to whoever I was watching it with it like, wow, this has changed the game on Christmas movies. It just doesn't happen. So. And we're not going to get into the whole Die Hard debate because you have not seen Die Hard. So we'll save that for next year. Yeah, we'll save it for next year. Um, okay, somehow I have not. What can I say? There's a, what, six of them, ten of them? Who knows? Yeah, you'll um, lose count okay. after a few. You know, maybe maybe I'll get into that long extended series when you, Justin, get a hold of a long series of films that you need to watch next month. That's Just happening saying. after I actually Christmas. want to stay on the pod because the Oscars are going to be in March, which will signal a year <laughs> of the bet that was made where I won the Oscar pool and you had to watch all the Fast and Furious movies. So I I got to put it out here. Mm -hmm. While we're here right now, you, you won the Oscar pool. That's fine. I won big brother and survivor this year. So just saying, well, I didn't add up my points. I mean, I didn't watch the episode yet. So I have to see, you know, how my girl did. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We won't go into we don't need to get into that right now. Uh, don't have spoilers by watching uh, my rant on our Instagram stories that I did earlier today. But I will be watching the Die Hard movies after Christmas, before New Year's. 
that week, maybe I just live stream my entire day of hopelessness sitting in a couch watching 20 hours of movies. I don't know. Listeners, do you see that, again, he doesn't reference the Fast and Furious movies he needs to watch, but he references the Die Hard oh, movies. Oh, I, I met Fast and Christmas. Furious. That's how oh. little I care about Fast and Furious. Oh, oh but... my God. <laughs> That's right. All of them. I can't wait. Carve out a whole day. I'll wear my Fast and Furious. We are, will welcome Justin into the family. Okay? Don't turn your back <laughs> on family. And he's going to learn. He's going to learn the Toretto way. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> um, on that note, let's get to our Swirly of the Week, shall we? So, my Swirly of the Week is going to be HBO Max. Soon to be Max, which is a horrible title and alone is swirly effect. I mean, I understand HBO is blending with Discovery, but I feel like there's better merge names than Max, right? What I think the issue is here is they've had so many different renditions of mm-hmm. HBO, like virtual streaming HBO. They had HBO Go. They had just the yep. HBO app. They have HBO Max. And now they're doing the merging thing. Like they don't, they probably don't want to add an extra name to add more confusion. But I agree. It sounds stupid. Why not just have an HBO Max plus minus middle ground? Like just make 27 different tiers of the damn thing with one movie or TV show on each one. Cause I agree. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, are we comparing HBO to discovery? Are we saying that discovery is as big of a name as HBO that HBO can't engulf discovery HBO Max. It's max. There's more to it. At least there was until what I'm considering the grim reapers at HBO who is just slashing and dashing some of their series, some of their movies, their HBO Max original movies are getting cut. The most shocking, I think, was Westworld um, because that show just ended, I think, this year and yep. it's going to be gone. Um, you have The Nevers, you have Love Life, Minx, which was in the, like about to be post-production, like has already filmed the majority of season two. Uh, like They were working on it currently and then we're told like, yeah, we renewed you. You filmed the series, and we're you're done. You're done at HBO. Well, Jake Johnson tweeted about that or posted on Instagram or something that, hey, we are finishing shooting. There's only a few days left, and we are going to basically try to sell this to a different platform. And I just finished watching Minx a couple weeks ago. The first season was good. Like, I... I think it'd be good to go back for another season on that i like that show love life i watched the first couple seasons of that it's an interesting take on kind of like a 30 minute show and i thought they did it very well it it just sucks that they have these good properties that are getting cut willy-nilly for the merge with discovery and i agree with you hbo has the brand power right it has built up that brand identity that people trust and like HBO. So if you take the HBO name out of the actual streaming service, you're not, you know, capitalizing on that at all. Is it going to be discovery max? Is it just going to be max? Like I, it's just, none of it makes sense. Maybe they have a big plan in place and we'll sound like idiots in six months, but right now I don't we have might. much hope. We might. I mean, they did cancel Los of Spookies, which, is an underrated comedy it is in spanish and it has like it has actors that you're familiar with it's so funny it's such a funny show that 
I was kind of surprised that was canceled. Um, Legendary was good too. Um, I know there's speculation that they were cutting it to reduce residuals. Uh, I think later they said that it was taking advantage of a special circumstances that come with a post-merge where they can kind of write off certain expenses, but it's in a certain time limit, so they can only do it up to a point. There's also talk of maybe HBO will have a similar to freebie, um, a kind of ad-supported TV, you know, service that you can watch with ads that it might go on to, but nothing's like confirmed. And I think the real issue I have with it is the creators of shows who, you know, physical media, DVDs, box sets are just going to the wayside. Um, sometimes shows are coming out and they don't even have the DVDs and not even being created for you to buy them. And so if a creator has a show on a streaming site and they just end it, that's gone. Unless they have like some master or some backed up, which a lot of um, creators don't have, that's gone. That's just, that's something that, you know, where's that film from 1920? I can't find because it was all tore up. Like, that sucks. So it sucks for the creators. I guess we'll see if they compensate a bit for that by having it available elsewhere. But if not, I mean, it kind of sucks to work hard and create something and just have it be gone forever. Yeah, and their you revenue know? streams are cut down by the fact that there's not that physical media that people are, are buying in stores. So they are reliant on selling it to you know HBO or these other streaming services maybe getting residuals down the line, but I don't even know how that works with streaming. It's not like TV where you get a residual based on how many times it's played on TV. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how the math works out, but I assume they're making substantially less unless they're being compensated somehow on the, on the back end of this when they sell to other services. But it's just, it's making it more complicated. And as we've talked about a few times before on this pod, we're just getting to a place where things are starting to merge towards just get a combination of all these streaming apps and then call it cable. And that's where we're, we're close to again. And it's too much of a good thing. This is America, right? So capitalism at its finest, it is just, okay, somebody likes this. Let's just keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Oversaturate the market. Now everybody hates it and we collapse. And that's where we're at soon i think with the streaming services where <laughs> you know all... you know yikes lean into the nihilism because it's rough out here you know <sighs> so my swarly of the week kayla mm -hmm. that was one of the two i was deciding between but is dc and james gunn so uh, i'm surprised you didn't go this route but well basically... i kind of did last week i guess with wonder woman but you're you're gonna branch out because the axe gets sharper so go ahead the axe gets sharper Henry Cavill was announced as Superman a few weeks ago. He made an appearance in another DC film recently, and now he has been dropped as Superman by James Gunn, so he's no longer in the franchise. I don't know what they're doing over there. Clearly, he is trying to make some big overhaul changes. Doesn't want Henry Cavill there, who seemed genuinely excited to be back on as Superman. He seems like just a nice dude, which is tough to give off that vibe when you look like he does he looks like he should be a douchebag but every interview i've seen with him he seems like a generally nice guy so and i've never watched he that show the witcher which everybody is just raving about so maybe i'll have to start that after these 17 other shows that i need to get on first 
I played the game a little bit, but it was a little too open worldy for me. Like, I know this is probably hard for you to imagine, but I like a game with set goals, so I know what I need to do. I don't really like to be aimless. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about wherever. right. It's almost too much freedom. I need rules. Um, the show seemed a little goofy to me, and the wigs are just atrocious. But it does suck to leave a show, and then you know whoever is your replacement is that's going to be difficult enough, and then you get booted when you return back to Superman. I, 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 James Gunn, because I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, because I don't, those weren't, like, my favorite Marvel films, or they're one of my least next to Ant-Man, I struggle to see, like, is he gonna be the guy that, you know, completely redoes DC, because it does need to be completely redone, there's no doubt about it, um, I just don't know, I, like, I don't know, if, is it Guardians of the Galaxy I don't like, or is it James Gunn's stylings that I don't like? I guess I'll find out with the next DC movie. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold. I know on Twitter today, it was just a lot of Margot Robbie. Like, please don't take Margot from us. We need her as Harley Quinn. Please don't do it. Leave her. Save her. Save her. So I, it seems to be a big, pretty big contingent that she needs to stay as Harley Quinn, and I have not heard anything otherwise. So fingers crossed that doesn't change because that is going to be tough shoes to fill. Yes, and I will say, I have enjoyed uh, the Twitter memes as far as people who are, like, watching their shows get axed, and they're holding on to their HBO shows or DC things, like, please, haven't we suffered enough? As, like, the gifs are, like, recoiling. Like, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, all we can do is hope. All we can do is hope that it's better, because DC needs it, I think. You know? 100%. All right. Let's get to our friendship question of the week, which you can go ahead because you thought of it first. So our friendship question of the week, nice Christmas theme this week is, who in your life is the most difficult person to shop for Christmas time? So You do a lot of Christmas shopping, Kayla. You're in the weeds. You do way more than I do. I am don't get me a lot because I don't want to give out a lot type of guy. So I never intend to, but then I just see things. Um... Gosh, I have some real hard ones, but my mom comes to mind because she, every year, is like, please just tell me, give me some sort of something that you might want, because she's just like, oh, I don't know, this, and, like, she doesn't tell you things during the year, so you're just kind of like, you really have to think of something, like, big or something, you know, rough, my mom, and then Rose gets to the pod. She can be difficult sometimes because... She gets me some things, and I'm like, oh, that's so thoughtful. Like, one time she got me, like, Christmas or birthday, like, kind of like a feminist kind of box. Like, it had, like, a Ruth Ginsburg book, and it had, like, this cool candle, and, like, these net. Like, it was like, I'm like, yes, that's, that's me in a box. Like, so clever. And I think I was like, here's a cool mug and uh, some candy kisses. I don't know. Probably, probably something better than that. But, you know, like, I don't have... You know, like to build something together and like a theme, that's what it is. Like a cool theme, just not my specialty. Um, so yeah, that's those are my typical picks. How about you? Yeah, for me, you know, I shop for like obviously my wife, nieces, grandparents, parents, and then we have Chit's parents and I just I really struggle to come up with ideas for a couple people. I think my dad is the toughest because I I think I've just gone to the well too much on Harley Davidson clothing and memorabilia. I've 
done that, you know, for 20 years and used to do like the model cars, which he used to make. I think I've exhausted that as well. And he is just very kind of particular. He's not a very particular person in that way. But when it comes to gifts, I've found he is where I'll have a great idea. And I'm like, oh, this will be great. I heard him mention that he doesn't have enough, you know, like fridge or freezer space. So I got him like one of those uh, for the garage, like a big uh, lift up freezer for him to use. And before it's delivered, he's like, you know, can you cancel that and get me something else? I'm like, what the hell? One year I got him a hoodie. And he's like, I'm not going to wear this. And he he's like nice about it, but it just, it seems like he's very particular, but gives you no actual insight into what he's thinking beforehand. And when I, like I got him a few years ago, I was very happy with this gift. I got him a, um, it was a bottle opener that was like a, a 50 cal bullet bottle opener. It was pretty cool. I spent a decent amount of money on it, had it engraved like in a box, whole ordeal, He's never once used it. He probably doesn't even know where it is. Like at this point, I want to look through his house for it so I can take it and use it myself because it's pretty damn cool. And I just, I feel like I'm at a losing battle every single, single year where I'm like, are you going to like this one? And even if he really does like Mm -hmm. something, he, he doesn't like express it. He's kind of like me in that way. If I really like something, but oh, cool. Thank you. And he's like, oh, awesome. Thanks. But you don't. Like my mom, you can tell when she's really excited about a gift or my wife or like other people in the family, but he doesn't give out too much. I also struggle with that. I think it's like that. I don't know if it's the attention, like the attention's on you when you're opening it. Like, again, it just brings me back to like the trauma of Easter when I'm sure I've said this before. I, I would have such anxiety, like watching my family watch me look for an Easter basket, (laughs) feeling like an idiot, that even at, like, I'm talking seven, eight, what I would do is, while they were in the kitchen, like, Kayla, like, come find your Easter basket, I would look in the rooms they were in, so I didn't have the pressure of them watching in me. Maybe I'll bring that in therapy another time. I don't know. Maybe that's something. It is, like, because it's tough because you want to be appreciative, but you don't want to be over the top, but you don't want Mm -hmm. them to think you don't like or enjoy the gift. So maybe you're throwing on a little bit more energy than mm-hmm. normal, but then you're like, yeah. I don't want it to seem fake because I really do like it. And you're kind of mm-hmm. in this limbo phase. So it's Christmas uh, is hard, guys. Christmas yeah. is hard. Yeah, we look at us. We're complaining about receiving gifts and how <laughs> excited we need. We are terrible, yeah. Kayla. We are terrible. <laughs> you know, that's why we're called wrong opinions only. You know, you don't have to agree with us, but we're going to have them. Um, okay. I think that cinches it for our Christmas movie discussion. I can't believe this year is coming to an end. We only have one more episode of the year. That's just wild to me. And speaking of which, we're going to take... We're going to be closing out with our highs and lows of 2022. We're going to make that a yearly trend. Good idea, Kayla. I think it's a good way to kind of wrap things up. And next week, this is our 49th episode. So the last episode of the year will be the 50th, which is a nice round number for a 52-week year. So we just cranked all year, Kayla. (laughs) We only missed two weeks, and that was when I was on vacation, I believe. So Everything's for you, listeners. Um, That'll be 85 episodes in total, which is wild, wild. Um, Speaking of which, so we have one more episode at the end of the year, and then we'll be taking a quick two-week break. But... 
make sure that you tune in because we'll be doing random posts and stuff. We're not going to be out of your lives for those two weeks entirely, okay? I got some movie reviews to talk about. so And as a Christmas gift to us, share, like, follow the podcast. Mm -hmm. Rate it. If you rate, yep. it really helps us go up the algorithm as much as possible. So tell people, hand out our business cards, share our Instagram links. It's fine. Shameless plugs all over the place. I don't mind them. You know, it's a free way to give us a gift for Christmas, and we'd appreciate it. So please. And on that note, we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.